our guest today is Melo Kalako, the author of Beating Burnout, Finding Balance. He's a mindfulness and high-performance expert, a keynote speaker and corporate programs facilitator. Mello teaches others how to stay energised, perform their best and conquer burnout. Mello's lessons draw on his three decades of professional experience and on his life of cycling and trekking more than 30,000 kilometres across five continents. Of course. <laughs> his work has been described as truly transformational and Mello Kalako, welcome to Tech Live. Thank you. Thank you for having me. When did you do all your trekking and cycling? It was cumulative over some years, so about 10 years ago, no, longer now, 15 years ago, I keep ageing every year, <laughs> um, I yes. started the journey and then I continued on, uh, so it was about an eight-year trek altogether. Right. Um, two of those years was cycling, trekking, heading up through the Himalayas. I even met my wife over there in Africa and two children later, here I am in Mel living in Melbourne. So, right, yeah, okay. Big adventure. It's sort of easy to make a crack about burnout, 30,000 kilometres, all of that. <laughs> so how did your life lead you to this area of passion and expertise? I think it was a constant evolution of the work that I did. So I always like to help people mm. in some way, shape or form. So whether it was physical therapies I was doing many years ago or whether it was coaching or whether a whole range of different modalities that I used, I always like to help people. So that was a deep sort of inner passion of mine. And then I was teaching mindfulness um, in mental health clinics, in psychiatric mm -hmm. clinics, mm -hmm. and I very quickly realised that the mental health of society, you know, was struggling. So I wanted to help as many people as possible. So that's where it turned into the corporate work and started to work with high performers, achievers, uh, high achievers, um, and a whole range of different executives. And uh, it's just constantly evolved. So basically I just followed my heart. So right. from one step to the next to the next. And Burnout being very prevalent now, I think all roads led here in some way. During the pandemic itself, I, I supported over 75,000 people in the virtual seminars that I do and workshops. And I thought, I still want to help more. I still want to help as many people as possible. Hence, the book was uh, born, Beating Burnout, Finding Balance. And mm. so I'm on a mission right now to help as many people as possible beat burnout and find balance. So... You talked about the pandemic mm -hmm. and you talked about burnout of executives, people in the corporate world. Is it is it more of a thing now or do people just talk about it more? The pandemic highlighted it in mm -hmm. many ways. So we're always working at an unrelenting pace, especially executives working yeah. many hours, never giving themselves permission to stop or slow down. But the pandemic definitely heightened it. I got calls in the second and third lockdowns. And you were in Melbourne, of course. I'm in Melbourne, exactly. Yeah. So we had six lockdowns. Yeah. We were the professionals at it. Yeah. But on that third and fourth one, people really struggled. People mm. that normally wouldn't reach out to me, normally wouldn't admit it or talk so about it. so was that burnout or depression? A bit of both. So I followed the mental health of the situation quite closely. Mm. So initially it was anxiety, mm. fear, uncertainty. And then over time it started to turn into isolation, depression, mm. sadness, um, a mm. bit of loss of purpose. And then there's a bit of post-traumatic stress after that. So it was mm. like you know, following the mental health of the situation was quite difficult, but people were running on low resources you know, mm. all the way through. So that's where the burnout started to happen, pouring from an empty cup, still trying to keep the family going, still trying to keep their work going, still mm. trying to keep some purpose and mission in their life, but they were tired and exhausted. So I really saw the evolution of it over the two years um, 
continue. It feels like we're seeing that post-pandemic as well, that mm. I really like pouring from an empty cup. Mm. And it, I think when I look around, people are still doing that. Yes, yeah, definitely. Now I'm going back into workplaces only the last maybe six months or so, so going mm. back into the workplace yeah running seminars and workshops and sometimes there's 30 people in there, sometimes there's 50, sometimes there's 200 mm. and I look around the room and I see people are tired, people And what do you exhausted. see? What does that look like? Just body language, exhausted, very disengaged, very disconnected, mm. um, trying to keep going, trying to sort of push through but, again, pouring from an empty cup, just really ex underlying um, tiredness, exhaustion, fatigue that's just sitting there under the surface. Why? Why now? I mean, things are better and people are back at work. Obviously, you know, cost of living and mm. personal and corporate challenges with the economy. But why now more than ever would burnout be um, an issue in the corporate world? I think what you touched on before, it is more spoken about. Yeah. So we are hearing a lot mm. more about it. We're opening up the conversation about it more. Burnouts in the headlines these days with celebrities and sporting coaches and high performers talking about it mm. more. So I think that's part of it. But I think just the natural progression from what we've just came out of. Yeah. We don't just come out of a pandemic and suddenly everybody's fine again and yeah. mental health. So it's the ongoing effect of that. Mm. So I think it's just raising its ugly head a bit more now and it's becoming more in the spotlight so people are actually talking about it. Okay, so let's cover a few things. Mm. Um, mm. What are the signs of burnout? What are the signs of it in your organisation and what can you do about it? So how about we step through yeah, sure, through sure. this area? So first of all, what are the signs of burnout in yourself? There's three main areas that we see it. So first of all is there, there's a physical. So that's mm. the obvious ones where people do look tired, yeah. body drawn or tight shoulders or tight jaw. Or So there's the physical symptoms that people see, the lethargy, the apathy, frequently sick, those sort of things, mm. or frequently late for work, more absenteeism you see in the organisation. Then there's the emotional signs where people people feel a bit detached, mm. disconnected from their workplace. Mm. You give them a job to do and things that would normally be easy for them are hard for them or they're just disinterested or lacking some purpose, maybe even feeling a bit lost actually. And then there's also the behavioural signs. So that will be isolating, maybe not showing themselves on the Zoom screen or the Teams yeah. meeting, um, again, taking days off or coming to work late, procrastinating, um, maybe a bit cynical and negative also, yeah. complaining more than usual. So the WHO, they classify as in 2019, they, after the 11th time, they revised the definition of burnout and it's characterised by not unmanaged workplace stress, so not being managed on a, on a daily basis, which has a cumulative effect, cumulative effect, sorry. And there's three main criteria. And the number one is just that physical exhaustion that we're talking about, just depleted. Number two is that negative and cynicism mm. and that feeling of detachment. And number three is that lack of efficacy. So, again, like I said, what, things Why that should normal. I? Why would I bother? What, yeah, too what hard. point is it anyway? Exactly. Or just lack of efficiency. Again, like I said, if you give somebody a job to do, it's like, oh, my God, it's just too much. I can't do it. So yeah, right. dysfunctional. So that's what, the three main criteria. And would all three have to be present? Yes, yes, to because some extent. what I haven't heard there is someone being really stressed. Mm, yes. Um, or kind of anxious. That, that disengaged is really interesting. Mm. I guess the stress when it's gone on for too long would kick over into burnout then. 
And that's the thing about burnout. It is a slow progression often. Uh, so right. the, way, the work that I do and the coaching work that I do, I meet people in different stages of stress mm. and different stages of burnout. So if we meet, in, meet them in the early stages, it's much easier to get back to functioning again. But chronic stress not being managed will lead to burnout. And that could be days, months, yeah. even years. Some of the clients that I work with, you know, progressively getting worse and worse. Mm. And then suddenly there's a tipping point, some sort of physiological response like a panic attack or some sort of critical physiological response mm. and then it manifests. And that's the thing about burnout. It usually sneaks up on you. Mm. People don't notice it until it's too late. So that anxiety you're talking about, it gets stronger and stronger. You try to push it away and then you ignore it. Most people ignore the signs mm. and just keep trying to push through. And then the end consequence is some sort of panic attack or physiological response. Yeah, right. When we were talking the other day, you used a word you said you're hearing a lot of people saying they're overwhelmed. Mm, mm. For me, that's a red flag when I hear mm. that word. For me, that's like they're on that tipping point. Mm. So there's healthy stress, right? So there's eustress, mm. it's called EU stress. And that's when we need stress to motivate us and drive us and help us achieve our goals. Mm. I mean, if you didn't have that deadline, you maybe wouldn't do that job in that, in that yeah. time frame. So that's healthy stress, that's good stress. But then when we tip over the edge to chronic stress, that's when you've got adrenaline and cortisol going mm. through the body, maybe can't sleep, mm. um, overstimulated, overwhelmed. And that tipping point is that overwhelmed. And the reason it's a red, red or orange flag for me is because I work in psychiatric clinics mm. and I often ask the patients when they come in, so what happened to you? How did you end up in here? Mm. And they'd say to me, oh, it was too much, it was too much, I was overwhelmed. Yeah. So they use that word overwhelmed. So the, by the time they've said they're overwhelmed, it's almost like they're on that downward spiral. Mm. And the downward spiral is more like allostatic stress is the term, where it's more like that constant wear and tear on the body and mind is mm. now making you tired. Mm. So the language you hear around there is like, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I can't keep going like this. And that's that language you hear in the organisation. And the end consequence is poor mental health or burnout. So as a leader, obviously you could look for it in an individual team mm -hmm. member. Can a whole organisation suffer from burnout all at once? Yes and no. It is an individual thing often to look for the signs first of all. Mm. And leadership is a big part of it actually, creating the psychologically safe place that mm. people can feel free to speak up. Mm. You know, some of the best work that I've seen in the companies that I work at is when the leader shows some vulnerability mm. and says that, hey, I'm struggling a bit now, I'm, I'm anxious right now, or just opening up that conversation. Mm. And that opens up the conversation for the team to also speak about it and speak openly, which is great. So it is a bit of an individual thing, but it, it definitely will filter down from from the top also. Mm. So they're overworked, overstimulated, not switching off, um, not taking breaks, not taking renewal breaks. So it's a can be an organisational thing also. But do you know it's interesting, so uh, something you said then about cynicism or mm. negativity, so that maybe a shift in the culture could be a sign for a leader that there's something going on as well that they should look more closely at. Yeah, especially if it's out of character. So mm. if the person is normally bright and bubbly and they come yeah. to work and they're suddenly complaining more than usual or being a bit more isolated or complaining to their teammates or gossiping, yes, that's so usually a sign that they're not happy and maybe they are struggling. Mm. So what do we do about it? What do you do? Wait, no, you tell me. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 continue. Well, what can you do as an individual? Mm -hmm. What can you do yourself if you – because we all have – versions of that and definitely through 
the pandemic. Yes. Which yes. is still going, but we don't talk about it. <laughs> it's just buried. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so what can you do about it? Because yeah. Because sometimes and often at work you may be overwhelmed, but there's no way you can stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as a leader, you can see that your team might be feeling the pressure, but the pressure's real. Yes. So what can you do about it? The main things are self-care, number one, like non-negotiable self-care habits. When I was actually interviewing for the book, I actually interviewed about 200 leaders, CEOs, executives, directors, athletes, a whole range of different people. And 90% of the people that I interviewed didn't realise they were burning out until it was too late. Mm. Or they saw the signs and just kept pushing on anyway. They just ignored the signs. And so the first step is self-awareness. Like being aware when you are stressed, being aware when your shoulders are up to your ears or your jaw is tight and you're not sleeping. Ask yourself the question, what can I do for myself Mm. to get back to that healthy And that's a hard question for a leader, isn't it? Very hard, yeah, definitely. Mm. And most people don't, most leaders definitely don't give themselves permission to stop. Mm. But I say if you stop for 10 minutes or two minutes or five minutes, your next two hours will be more productive. So what happens when we're working under stress, our amygdala, which is the you know, rear part of our brain or the center of our brain, which heightens the fight and flight response. So we've got adrenaline and cortisol going through Mm. the body constantly. That's not designed to be switched on all the time. It's only designed for short-term stimulus to get you through a project or to get you out of that situation. But most people are humming along at that all day long and it has a bad consequence to our decision-making, our problem-solving, our logical analytical thinking, all those cognitive things that we need at work suffer. So if we continue with this stress response going through our body all of the time, it, it's fatiguing. It's actually resource heavy. So it makes us tired. So fundamentally what we need to do is actually up our self-care. So if you've got a busy period, if like mm. right now, for example, last week was men's health week. Mm. I had a very busy week. I had, I think, 15 seminars altogether and workshops. So I made sure that I upped my self-care. Mm. So I made sure I walked every morning. I meditated took the dog for a run, went for a swim. So often what happens though is when people get busy, when people get stressed, the first thing they do is let go of the things they need the most. Mm. I won't go to the gym tonight, I'm too busy. I haven't got time, too tired. Too tired to eat, too, too, I I won't stop for lunch, I'll get takeaway on the way home, all of those things. But it's actually, it should be reverse. Mm. We need to do those more. So upping your self-care is one of the most fundamental things. And just having a a check-in with yourself. Am I eating well? Am I sleeping well? Am I exercising? Am I taking renewal breaks? And I know it sounds very fundamental and common sense, but unfortunately common sense isn't always common practice. Mm. We know it, but we often don't do it. So so really um, self-awareness mm-hmm, for me one. as a person, upping the self-care mm-hmm. when it's getting, when I know that it's busy, and you do know in advance this is going to be a tough week. That's right, that's right. Although my husband says, aren't they all? And I say, oh, really busy. <laughs> Got to be busy. Aren't they all? Uh, but, yes, planning, mm-hmm, planning ahead. Mm-hmm. What about for your team, though? Because it can be really hard, especially if you're promoting self-care and then you're getting the response, I haven't got time, I haven't got mm-hmm. time across the team. What can you do as a leader? First of all, role modelling. So mm-hmm. role modelling that behaviour. Mm-hmm. If if a leader is staying back late at night every night to it's lights are just about out. That sort of role models bad behavior in many ways. So role modeling that good behavior, role modeling going out for a run or going out for a lunch or going out for exercise, 
and also giving the team permission to have renewal breaks and, mm. and show the importance of that. Even 10 minutes can change your whole day. So mm. if you stop for 10 minutes, you deactivate that amygdala, that fight yeah. and flight response, and then you can reset your focus. Mindfulness practice is also great. So actually practicing mindfulness, both what's called the formal practices where we stop and we close our eyes and we do a practice, but also the non-formal practices, which is being more present in the things that you are doing throughout the day. So being more present when you're eating, when you're drinking, so many people at work will be eating in front of the computer yeah. in a hurried yeah. pace. So even role modeling that and, and saying to your team members, go have a lunch break, go out for a walk, you know, go get some fresh air. And it really is those little things that make a big difference. I always say, ask yourself this question every day. What have I done for me today? Mm. You know, what have I done that's just for me? What have I done that fills up my cup? What have I done that energizes me, that makes me feel good? And make sure you do it daily. Mm. You know, don't wait for the end of the day to be exhausted and just crash on the sofa. Do things in the day so you re-energize yourself on a daily basis, on a weekly basis and even on a monthly basis. Mm. So you're not exhausted at the end of the week or the month or the year. Yeah. So something as late as we can do is be aware of what our workplace looks like. That's right. Um, so I'm thinking about, you know, in our new office, we've got a really nice kitchen area. Mm. It's like a cafe oh, and nice. everyone's eating there. Great. I'm not seeing people eating at their desks, which is really good. Yes. So at least, you know, there's some renewal time. Yes. I love that's that great. idea of renewal time. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. And that's how I look at it on a daily basis. So if you can, the way I look at a day is like you have things that drain you in mm. your work and, and that's mm. normal, a project or a task or even a computer, you know, emailing can be quite draining, but you have things that energize you like stopping for lunch or going for a walk mm. or having a chat with a colleague or mm. if you're working from home, pat the dog or pat yeah. the cat or whatever it is. So think about your day. How can you balance your day with drainers mm. and energizers mm. so you're not exhausted at the end of the day so you do feel energized every day? Many people have a holiday at the end of the year. They've worked <laughs> hard for you know 12 months and then they finally get their four weeks annual leave and they're sick for the first week Yeah, because they're just exhausted running on nervous energy. So if we balance that out daily, weekly, even monthly, I just finished, like I said, a big week last week. This week I'm here in Sydney doing some big talks. Mm. So I make sure that I take a day off in the afternoon or an afternoon off on Friday, be with my family, be with my kids to energize mm. myself. So, mm. you know, finding that balance every day, every week, instead of working relentlessly hard right to the end and then mm. burning out. And that, that's, usually, sorry, that's usually one of the signs of progressing to burnout is actually working relentlessly hard mm. at the cost of everything else. So that's one of the first stages, and especially when you're trying to prove your worth, when you're trying to, yeah. you know, you've got a new role or a new job or a leadership role that you've just sort of climbed up the ranks. So you work relentlessly hard to prove your worth and then slowly all those other things slip away. Slip away. Yeah. What are the renewal practices that, that you have that you really adhere to? Non-negotiable for me is walking. So I'll my, yeah. my morning practice is basically I get up quite early, make sure the sun's sort of up there, get out in the sun to get that serotonin sort of rush. And Don't so you live in Melbourne? Yeah, I live in Melbourne. It's not very often. <laughs> I live on the, on the Mornington Peninsula. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah so it is beautiful. But I, I do get up every day and I go Sorry, for a Melbourne walk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, so then I, I do a, around about 20, 30-minute walk, nothing mm. too crazy, just I make sure I get up. I must have went to a seminar once where they taught me the – the circadian rhythm where yeah, you yeah. get up early, you yeah. get the serotonin and then the yeah. melatonin gets produced um, 16 hours later. So that's my first thing I do. Then I do a meditation practice 
after that, it's about 20 minutes. I've meditated for about 30 years mm -hmm. and have not missed a single day for 30 mm. years. So I'm a big, big believer in that. And then I have a healthy breakfast. So three things before the day started, that's just for me. So I make sure that when I'm working with my clients, I'm serving them as best as possible, being energized. So they are not negotiable. You know, unless I'm on an aeroplane somewhere or my children are sick, that's my morning routines. And then I typically, one thing I, I think I do really well is I close my day at the end of the work day. So at the end of my day, I, I physically close my computer and close all the tabs on the computer. I close my tabs in my head yeah. and then I do another meditation practice. Again, I might go for a walk around sunset and just close my day to create clear boundaries between that's my work life and that's my home life. Mm. So these these are just practices. What I always check check up on is basically my physical well-being. So am I exercising enough? Am I eating enough? Am I sleeping enough? Mm. And then my mental well-being, am I doing enough meditation practices? Am I having enough enough renewal breaks? Uh, am I doing my hobbies and interests for myself to keep my mind also you know, creative and doing things like that? So just always checking in on my mental and physical well-being on a mm. daily basis. I even at the end of the week, I'm a bit, sometimes I do a little performance review on myself. <laughs> and so I ask myself, what was my meditation like this week? You know, what was my decision-making processes like? What was my energy like? What was my vitality like? What was my presence like? So sort of have a bit of a reflective practice at the end of the week so then you can improve each week. So it's, that's my day-to-day -day and week-by-week week week practices. It's your just, rhythm. Yeah, it's my rhythm and they 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 become rituals now so I don't have to, have to think about them. They've, you know, in been in my life for 30 plus years and yeah. uh, I won't change that. And I guess what works for you may not work for of someone course. else. Yeah, of course. It's about renewal. I love those renewal practices. Mm, yeah. I think that's really good. And and it's about knowing yourself enough, which we always say is so important as a leader. Self-awareness is critical. Exactly. And so knowing what works for you. When you're training a team or helping a leader with, with a whole team, mm -hmm. so some of them may not be burnt out. No, no, exactly. So how do you go about that? What's the approach you take? I give them tools, tools to first of all build self-awareness, mm -hmm. to create self-awareness so they can notice when they are, are stressed, what they need to do about it. The main thing is self-awareness first and then I also give them tools to self-regulate mm. so they can actually self-regulate when they are feeling a bit overwhelmed, when they are feeling a bit stressed mm. so we don't enter those orange zones and we stay mm. in those sort of yellow and green zones. So very simply... It might be a breathing technique. One, one technique that I teach many people is a 90-second breath break. Simply 90 seconds, stopping, pausing, closing your eyes if you like, but you don't have to, and just follow your breath for 90 seconds. Mm. So it brings you back to the present moment, brings you back to yourself, gets you out of your busy head and busy overstimulated mind and, and reconnects you to yourself. Simple practice, but so many people have said to me it's a game changer in their day. So they might use a... a 90 second breath break or a two minute practice before a big meeting mm. or before you know engaging with a client or constantly punctuating their days with little 90 second breath breaks it just resets that mind all the time so very powerful mm. and very simple it's an easy tool that one it's, isn't it? it's very easy i'm very careful with my language though i don't normally say we're going to do meditation because many yeah. ceos and executives of meditation please you know, no that's not <laughs> yeah. for me but i'll say let's go reset our attention or let's go refocus mm. and it's a or let's go improve our performance so ultimately it does improve your performance but we have to give ourselves permission to do it mm. and take away a bit of that sort of preconceived ideas that meditation has to be cross-legged and chanting or whatever yeah. it is so just 
And once once we get that happening and they can do it and feel it, they experience it, they think, wow, this is great. This is mm. why wasn't I doing this before? And again, that will filter through the organization, through the people. Some of the companies I work with have meditation rooms or breakout rooms or yeah. you know, places where they can just stop and be still for a while. Mm. So downtime is something that we don't have enough of. So if we can create downtime in the workplace, even two minutes or five minutes or ten minutes, you'll have a more creative and, and engaged workforce. So I love the 90-second breath mm. break. What other tools would you have? What other tools? So I teach also product in, in terms of management and time management and productivity, mm. so focusing on one thing. So this is where mm. mindfulness comes into mm. it. Most people are scattered from one thing to another, especially business owners, leaders. They've got so many well, roles It's a hard thing in a do. day, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's what I find hard, just having to switch from topic to topic exactly. to topic throughout the day, and that can be really hard. It's exhausting and actually context switching is one of the biggest causes of stress mm. or trying to multitask. Mm. I'm which just we breathing even as I'm speaking, I'm so calm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's such a, a the, the research around context switching is you know, if, you, if you're writing email or you're doing a project mm. and you get a pop-up notification yeah, yeah, yeah. that says something, it takes you away from the job, yeah. which takes an average of 64 seconds to get mm. back on that job again, which doesn't sound like much, but over the course of a day, that adds up over the mm. course of a week, a 40-hour working week, that's 8.5 hours of lost time mm. context switching. Mm. And every time you context switch, your amygdala goes ping, stress, yeah. stress, stress. Yeah. So it creates the stress response. And what was I working on again? So I have a rule for myself. Every time I stand up from my seat, I have to close five windows on my computer. Yeah, I love that. Just to sort of what am I focusing on? So that's a really big tool to focus on the job that needs to be done that's what I'm doing now. That's my proactive work and my other stuff can just wait. So mm. it's a, um, a little tool that I teach in a little um, – in one of my sessions and seminars I go through the three different states, the different brain states of the brain. So there's the proactive when we're in beta mode and we're thinking, we're planning, we're problem solving. There's the reactive or responsive when we're writing emails and answering things. Mm. And there's also the creative where we're thinking about mm. new ideas and driving new business. So they're very different brain states which require different energy. Mm. So we need to be mindful of that. Most people are just scattered from one thing to another. Mm. They get to the end of their day and say, what did I do today? What did mm. I finish today? Mm. What did I actually ac accomplish? So that's another training tool that I teach. Oh, it's really interesting. Mm. And I, I love learning the tools as well because they're things that might be at hand. You know, I love your morning routine but everyone may not have that time. That's right. Um, or that focus. Um, but just the breathing break. So you're talking about self-awareness mm -hmm. and self-management. Self-regulation. Self-regulation. Yeah. Two elements of emotional intelligence too, aren't yes, they? Yes, exactly, so, the first two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So self-awareness, self-regulation, thinking about yourself as a person mm. and as a leader and then thinking about your teams as well and the idea of maybe teaching people about preventing burnout and being more mindful in their work is going to lead to greater productivity anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. Really. What energises you? I was going to ask you. What gives you energy? Uh, thinking time. Thinking time, a bit of quiet time. Yeah. Mm. A little quiet. A bit of space. Talking to people, yeah. I get energised having a chat mm, me too. about non-work things. Yeah, yeah. That's really energising. Yeah, yeah, me too. Podcast series is good. Yeah, it's great. No, but, uh, yeah, having a chat. Mm. And if I if I do it and that's very intentional, reading a novel. 
Yeah, great. If I read a novel, that's complete escape. Yes, yeah. And I don't do it enough because it's too associated. It's like, well, I have to save that for a holiday (laughs) when actually that's something that I could do. Weekly. Weekly. Yeah, yeah. I remember at uni once reading a novel under my desk the whole day. (laughs) A whole day of lectures but I read Coma or whatever I was reading. Fantastic. Yeah. That's good. Good question. Yeah. Look, thank you so much for sharing your insights and your experience and there's a beautiful calmness in the studio right now. But uh, Melo, thank you so much for joining us on Tech Live. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you.